Welcome to Line B, used tools and equipment by Camosun College, used under CC BY. The Trades Access Common Core resources are licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0. The materials in these learning guides are for use by students and instructional staff and have been compiled from sources believed to be reliable and to represent best current knowledge on these subjects. These audio resources are intended to serve as a starting point for good practices and may not specify all minimum legal standards. No warranty, guarantee, or representation is made by the BC Piping Trades Articulation Committee, the British Columbia Industry Training Authority, BC Campus, or the Queen's Printer of British Columbia as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information contained in these publications. These audio resources are intended to provide basic guidelines for piping trades practices. Do not assume, therefore, that all necessary warnings and safety precautionary measures are contained in this publication and that other or additional measures may not be required. To learn more about BC Campus Open Education, visit www.open.bccampus.ca. Use hand tools and measuring tools. Section 1. Describe hand tools used in the pipe trades. This section presents the hand tools most commonly used by pipe trades workers. Many of these tools you will use during your in-school training, while others you may encounter on a job site or in a fabrication shop. While reading, pay special attention to the safety precautions required when using hand tools. Cutting tools. Cutting tools are used by pipe trades workers to shorten a piece of material to a desired length or to remove part of a material from an object. Compass and keyhole saws. Compass and keyhole saws have narrow tapered blades. The section of blade used depends on the curve to be cut. The wide part of the blade should be used for large radius curves and the narrow part for small cutouts. Because the blade is so narrow, care must be taken not to cause it to buckle. The blade on these saws varies from 250 millimeters or 9.8 inches to 350 millimeters or 13.8 inches in length and the teeth are filed in the same manner as the teeth in a crosscut saw. Hacksaws. The hacksaw consists of a handle, metal frame, and saw blade. The adjustable type accommodates different sizes of blades from 200 millimeters or 8 inches to 400 millimeters, 16 inches in length. The non-adjustable type holds only one size of blade, typically 300 millimeters or 12 inches in length. A hacksaw has a protective handle to guard your fingers in case the blade breaks on your hand slips while you are using the saw. Hacksaw blades are made of hard, tempered, heat-treated steel. The blade may be all hardened or flexible. A flexible blade has had only the teeth of the blade hardened, while the all-hardened blade has been tempered throughout. Since hacksaw blades are tempered, they are too hard to be resharpened. Once a blade becomes dull, it must be discarded. The pitch, or number of teeth per inch, may be 14, 18, 24, or 32. The part number stamped on each blade is occasionally a code number indicating the blade length and number of teeth per inch. For example, 
Code number 1018 identifies a blade 10 inches or 250 millimeters long with 18 teeth per inch, while code number 1032 identifies a 10 inch or 250 millimeter blade with 32 teeth per inch. The blade below shows that there are 18 teeth per inch and a blade length of 10 inches or 30 centimeters. Wood handsaw. The tool most people think of as a handsaw is either a crosscut saw or a rip saw. The crosscut saw is designed to cut across the grain of wood and the rip saw is designed to cut with the grain. The number of points, which is usually shown on the saw, indicates the number of points per 25 millimeters per inch of cutting edge. The blade of the saw is made of spring steel, tempered to provide a longer lasting edge on the teeth after they are filed and set, which is offsetting the teeth. The face of the blade is ground and polished. The smooth surface reduces friction between the saw and the wood. A handsaw of good quality has a taper ground blade, where the back of the blade is thinner than the tooth edge. With this design, less set is required. The set of the saw is just as important as the sharpness of the teeth, or the set is the clearance the saw blade has when it cuts wood. The width of the cut is called the kerf. The kerf is important. Without a kerf, the saw would be difficult to push through wood. This illustration shows examples of crosscut and ripsaw kerfs. Handsaws are generally specified by the shape of teeth. Example, crosscut or rip. The length of the blade and the number of points per 25 millimeters or per inch. The number of points, which are the valleys between the teeth, is usually stamped on the heel or printed with the manufacturer's label on the side of the saw. Figure 6 shows a diagram of 7 points and 6 teeth in 25 millimeters or 1 inch. The number of teeth is always one fewer than the number of points. Crosscut saw. The crosscut saw varies in length from 500 millimeters to 700 millimeters or 20 to 28 inches. Points also vary from 6 to 14 per 25 millimeters or 1 inch. The crosscut saw used for framing has fairly coarse teeth. The saw used for finishing work has finer teeth. The framing saw is normally 700 millimeters or 28 inches long and has 7 or 8 points per 25 millimeters or 1 inch. It is used mostly for cutting common lumber and making the rougher cuts for framing. The finishing saw, also called a panel saw, is about 550 millimeters or 22 inches long with 10 to 11 points. It is mostly used for making fairly precise cuts through exterior and interior trim and through paneling. The teeth of a crosscut saw are shaped like knives to give a scoring action for cutting across the grain of wood. Most of the cutting is done on the forward stroke of the saw. The images below show the cutting action of the crosscut. Rip saw. The rip saw is designed to cut with the grain of wood. Its teeth are shaped like tiny chisels. A common rip saw for carpenters has five and a half points per 25 millimeters or one inch. And the blade is about 700 millimeters or 28 inches long. Figure eight shows its cutting action. The portable circular handsaw has made the use of the ripsaw virtually obsolete. Files. There are many different kinds, sizes, and cuts of files available. Only the more common ones will be discussed here. 
Files have the following general uses. To remove extra material. To fit materials together more accurately. To correct errors resulting from inaccurate machining, threads of bolts, etc. To create a flat or smooth surface. To form an edge. To fashion a notch or slot. To create a square or round hole. The size of a file is determined by its length from point to heel. The tang is not included in its length. Each part of a file has a particular name. You will need to be familiar with these names as they will be referred to in the descriptions of different kinds of files and their characteristics. All files are classified by shape and by cutting face. Most common shapes of files are flat, round, half round, and triangular. The flat file has teeth on both edges and is used for general purpose filing. The round file, also known as the rat tail file, has teeth covering the full circumference. This file is used primarily for enlarging circular openings or filing curved surfaces. The half round file has one flat side and teeth on all surfaces. The triangular or three square file is used to clean out corners of a square shape or to file at odd angles. All faces have teeth and the corners between the faces are left sharp. Cutting faces. Cutting faces are classified according to the design of the cutting and according to the grade of their teeth. There are three designs of cutting face, the single cut, double cut, and the curved tooth. The single cut file has one unbroken course of teeth running across the face of the file and is used when a smooth finish is desired. The double cut file has two broken courses of teeth crossing each other. It is used for rough, fast metal cutting and where large amounts of material must be filed off. The curved tooth file is used to file soft metals such as lead or aluminum. It removes material very quickly and produces a smooth surface after each filing stroke. The second classification identifies the grade of file teeth. There are six different grades for both single or double cut files. However, the curved tooth file is available in only three grades, the bastard cut, second cut, and smooth cut. Rough cut, second cut, coarse cut, smooth cut, Bastard cut, dead smooth cut. The only difference in the grades is the spacing between the teeth. The rough cut file has the greatest space between the teeth. As the spacing decreases, the cut becomes smoother. Remember, though, the spacing is in relation to the overall size of the file. For example, a large bastard cut file has more space between the teeth and larger teeth than a small bastard cut file. Even though both are bastard cut files, figure 12 show different grades of a single cut file. Hand shears. Hand shears are also called tin snips, metal masters, or aviation shears. They will generally cut sheet metal up to 1.5 millimeters or 1 16th of an inch thick. The construction of hand shears varies greatly. Some are made to cut only straight, while others are made to cut left or right curves. Yellow-handled snips are used for straight cuts and general-purpose tin work. Red-handled snips have blades that are designed for left-curved cuts. And green-handled snips are designed for right-curved cuts. Chisels. Chisels are made of tempered steel and have a sharp beveled edge for cutting or shaping different types of material. To do so, 
Place the sharp edge against the material and push or pound the end. The size, shape, and sharpness vary with the different types of material to be cut. Cold chisels. Cold chisels are forged from square, rectangular, hexagonal, and octagonal high carbon steel stock. The steel is machined and then hardened, cold tempered. The body and head are softer than the cutting edge so that they can withstand a striking force without chipping. The upper end of a chisel has a slight taper or chamfer to compensate for the mushrooming caused by repeated hammer blows. Pipe trades workers generally use chisels for the removal of rusted machine parts, shearing of bolts, chipping metal, and removing pins. The flat cold chisel is used for most general cutting and chipping work. The cutting edge is beveled or tapered from both sides towards the center. The angle of the bevel is generally between 60 degrees and 70 degrees. For soft metals, the angle should be reduced. For very hard metals, it should be increased. Flat cold chisels have cutting edges that vary in width from 6 millimeters to 25 millimeters, one quarter inch to one inch. And they are usually from 150 millimeters to 200 millimeters, six inches to eight inches in length. Wood chisels. Wood chisels are classified according to length, width, and thickness of the blade. They are also classified according to purpose, type, blade shape, and method of holding the handle. Types of wood chisels. Framing chisels, the heaviest of the chisels. Finishing chisels, for lighter, specific work. Gouges, a curved chisel with different blade sweeps or patterns. Framing chisels are usually used for heavy-duty type framing work, so they are referred to as such. Framing chisel is made so that it can be driven with a steel hammer. The steel continues from the blade to the end of the handle, and the handle is molded on each side of the steel. The framing chisel is the heaviest of the chisels. It varies in width from 20 millimeters to 50 millimeters, and in blade length from 150 to 200 millimeters. Pipe cutters. Pipe cutting is done either by hand or with power accessories. Cutters are available in a number of designs and sizes. Their use depends on the situation and on the size and material of the pipe being cut. For any type of jointing operation, it is very important that the end be cut squarely. The correctly selected cutter does the best job quickly and accurately. A hacksaw should never be used to cut pipe because it's difficult to end up with a square end. Chips from the cut could fall into the pipe and, if not removed, can cause problems with the joints especially if the piping is of the type that is glued together. Chips can also contaminate the fluid that will eventually be carried through the pipe. Most pipe cutters have a hooked shaped frame with a cutter wheel at one end of the hook. On the stem of the hook, a sliding housing containing two rollers is mounted. These rollers hold the pipe in position against the cutter wheel. The sliding housing is moved by a long feed screw, which is tightened as the tool is rotated around the pipe forcing the cutter wheel into the pipe. The rollers tend to roll down the external burr that is usually raised on the pipe as the cutter wheel moves the metal. Note that these types of cutters don't actually remove any material, but rather they spread the material into two sections. Note that wider rollers create less chance of the cutter wheel spiraling up the pipe. This provides for better cutting performance and greater accuracy when cutting pipe.
Care must be taken that the cutter wheel is appropriate for the cutter being used and suited to the material being cut. The illustration below shows the main types of cutter wheels. The standard thin wheel is designed for cutting ordinary steel pipe. Stronger, heavier wheels are for cutting heavy-walled steel pipe. And thinner wheels are used for materials like thin-walled tubing or soft materials like plastic. Before using a cutter wheel, always inspect it to make sure that it is not blunt or damaged. A blunt or dulled cutter tends to crush rather than cut the pipe. Also, ensure that no rollers and screw fasteners on the cutter are loose or missing. Misalignment or an incomplete cut could result. Cutters may be classified as standard wheel and roller cutters, three-wheel or four-wheel cutters, without rollers, only cutting wheels. Heavy-duty pipe cutters. These cutters can be used as single wheel and roller cutters for work on heavier piping materials like steel. For cutting in confined spaces, these cutters can be converted to three wheel cutters by replacing the two rollers with extra cutter wheels. As shown in figure 20, a 360 degree rotation of the wheel and roller cutter is necessary to cut pipe. With a three wheel cutter, a rotation of just over 120 degrees is all that is required. However, more care must be taken when starting a cut with the three-wheel cutter to make sure the cut is straight. These cutters can be challenging to line up correctly to achieve square cuts. The three-wheel cutter also leaves more of an outside burr, which must be removed on every cut to avoid difficulty when using threading or grooving equipment. Four-wheel cutters. This cutter is designed for work in areas where a complete turn is not possible. One style has a short handle for extra tight areas where only a 130 degree turn can be accomplished. Pipe capacity is for this style of cutter is often 20 millimeters or three quarters of an inch to 50 millimeters or two inches. Some larger options are available with the addition of a second handle, making it possible for two people to cut large pipe sizes in confined areas. Pipe capacity can easily be in the range of six and a half centimeters or two and a half inches to 10 centimeters or inches. Heavy duty wide roll cutter. This style of cutter was developed for use with a power vise. The extra wide rollers prevent the cutter from wobbling during the cutting operation and prevent spiraling or what is sometimes referred to as a barber's pole. Pipe capacity is typically three mils or one eighth of an inch to 50 mils or two inches. Hinged cutter. Hinged cutters are used for pipe in the ranges of 10 centimeters or 4 inch to 30 centimeters, 12 inches. It can be used in tight quarters where cutter rotation is limited, like in a ditch or trench. A hinged cutter has four cutter wheels, a long handle for leverage, and a latch to engage the cutter head around the pipe. A second handle may be added for extra cutting leverage. Soil pipe cutters. These types of non-rotational cutters, often simply called snap cutters, are designed for cutting straight lengths of cast iron soil pipe and other materials that are brittle or easily broken. Each wheel is actually more like a tooth that bites into the pipe, applying even pressure at multiple points until the cutting process is achieved. Operating the handle of the ratchet type cutters tightens the chain until the pipe is snapped by the cutting wheels between the chain links. This style has an advantage in confined quarters or when making a cut on an existing pipe that must be cut in position. The scissor type cutters 
open and close quickly and are suited to multiple cuts in new construction work. Make the cut, squeeze the handles towards each other until the cutting wheels in the chain have completed the cut. Both cutters cut 5 centimeters to 15 centimeters, 2 inch to 6 inch clay towel pipe, cast iron drainage pipe, asbestos cement soil pipe, and water mains up to 10 centimeters or 4 inches, made from these types of brittle materials. External glass pipe cutter. External glass pipe cutters are available in small, pocket-sized tools, having a chain with cutting wheels to cut glass tubing, glass pipe, and other fragile tubular material. The chain is wrapped around the tube, twist of the wrist and squeeze of the handles. The material is cut. Maximum pipe capacity is often 38 millimeters or one and a half inches. Internal glass pipe cutter. This type of cutter is used for scoring the inside of a glass pipe prior to heating and breaking it. The cutter is inserted in the pipe and the cutter wheel is set to the desired length. The cutter is rotated one full turn only and then carefully removed. The glass pipe is then heated with a small gas torch and the pipe will break cleanly along the internally scored line. Cutters are available for pipe from 13 millimeters to 25 millimeters, half inch to one inch, and from 38 millimeters to 15 centimeters, one and a half to six inches. Internal pipe cutter. This cutter is available in models that will cut either plastic pipe or metallic tubing. It can be used for trimming tubing below floor level for shower, floor drain, or floor flange installations or above the ceiling for sprinkler head installations. Tubing cutters. The tubing cutter is used to make clean square cuts on copper, brass, aluminum, and thin walled conduit. These lightweight cutters commonly have a fold away reamer attached to them and may often have a small square hole in it to operate the valve stem of a B-size acetylene tank. Other tubing cutters will have a slide out deburring tool with a small blade that spins and is rotated inside the pipe. It is extremely important that tubing cutters not be used to cut pipe, as the thin cutting wheel used for tubing would be immediately damaged. A tube is a thin walled pipe, commonly made of copper, aluminum, brass, carbon steel, stainless steel, or plastic. Because of the thin wall, standard pipe threads cannot be formed on tubing. Instead, procedures such as soldering or brazing may be utilized. Special fittings are also available for tubing that use compression or flared connections, for example. Close quarters tubing cutters. These miniature cutters are specifically designed for use in restricted spaces on small diameter hard and soft copper, aluminum, brass, and plastic tubing. They are designed with rollers that, with grooves in them. The grooves allow the cutter to make a cut close to the end of the tube that has been flared. They have common capacities of 6 millimeters to 29 millimeters or quarter inch to 1 and 1 eighth inch. Plastic tubing cutters. These scissor style quick opening cutters are designed for speedy cuts on all sorts of plastic tubing up to about four centimeters or one and five eight inches. Outside diameter or OD. To complete a square cut, rotate the handle slightly when applying pressure. Large ratcheting cutters of a similar design are also available for cutting plastic tubing or plastic pipe up to approximately six centimeters or two and three eighths inches OD. Pipe reamers and deburring tools. Reamers are used to remove the burr from the inside surface of a pipe after it has been cut with the cutting tool. 
The objective is to bring the interior diameter of the pipe back to its original full bore, avoiding turbulent flow and unwanted restriction to fluid flow. Reaming can be done by hand, but certain types of reamers are designed for use on power vices. Reaming is always done before threading to avoid deforming or flaring out of the threaded end. Straight Fluted Ratchet Reamer This reamer works fast and clean with light pressure. It is designed for use when pipe is to be held stationary in a vise or when the pipe is being rotated in a power vise. It is the only tool of the three shown here that is safe for using with the power vise. Two models of the straight ratchet reamer are available. One has a pipe capacity of 3 mm to 2.5 cm, 8 inch to 2 inches. The other has a pipe capacity of 10 mm to 8 cm, 3 eighths to 3 inches. Spiral Ratchet Reamer. This reamer is designed for hand use only. This tool is made for reaming large pipe by hand up to 10 centimeters or 4 inch in size. The type of work being done will dictate the size and type of reamer to be used. Handheld spiral reamers should not be used in conjunction with power vices because the reamer may bind into the pipe and be pulled from your hand, possibly causing a serious injury. Deburring Tools. For light wall tubing and soft materials like plastic, other styles of deburring tools are available. Blade-type deburring tools are ideal for removing internal burrs in copper, plastic, aluminum, and steel tubing. Most types feature long-lasting, replaceable steel blades attached to a small handle with a built-in pocket clip. Some have a larger handle that can be used for storing of surplus blades. Plastic pipe deburring or chamfering tools are lightweight and easily fit in your hand. Chamfering means to cut off the edge or bevel. These tools can quickly smoothen out rough edges from the inside diameter, ID, and OD of materials like ABS and PVC. A few spins of the tool can easily produce a 15 degree bevel for a smooth chamfered pipe and so that the solvent spreads evenly as pipe is joined. Utility knife. The utility knife is used for general or utility purposes. The utility knife was originally a fixed blade knife with a cutting edge suitable for general work, such as cutting hides and cordage, scraping hides, butchering animals, cleaning fish, and other tasks. Today, the term utility knife also includes small folding or retractable blade knives suited for use in general workplace or in the construction industry. Gasket cutters. A tool incorporating a blade and designed to pivot around a center pin is used to make accurate circular cuts in a variety of materials that are used for gaskets in the piping industry. One design is the extension style blade cutter shown in the figure below. Measuring tools. Measuring tools allow the pipe tradesperson to verify accurate positions and dimensions. When using measuring tools, you may be required to use both metric and imperial measuring systems. Imperial, feet, or feet, are divided into 12 equal parts called inches. Inches are divided into equal parts called fractions. These fractions can be as large as half inch, but greater accuracy is achieved by dividing these parts of an inch into quarters, eighths, sixteenths, and thirty seconds. The degree of accuracy you are likely to require in the pipe trades is generally no more than one thirty-second of an inch. Metric. The base unit in metric measurement is the meter. 
the meter is divided into 100 centimeters or 1,000 millimeters. A millimeter is one-tenth of a centimeter. Millimeters are the most common unit of metric measurement. There is a wide range of measuring instruments used for checking clearances and tolerances. These include measuring tapes, steel rules, calipers, and gauges. Pocket measuring tape. The pocket tape shown in figure 36 is used to measure large layouts. It is the most widely used measuring instrument within the construction trades. This tape is usually made from steel and is spring-loaded to retract into its carrying case when released. The zero end of the tape is equipped with a hook that should slide along the tape a distance equal to the thickness of the hook. The sliding of the hook permits accurate internal and external measurements. Pocket tapes range in length from 2 meters to 7.5 meters, or 6 feet to 25 feet. Metric tapes are marked in 1 millimeter graduations, while imperial tapes are graduated at 30 seconds of an inch for the first 6 inches or 12 inches, then at 16 for the balance of the tape. Pocket tapes often feature a retraction lock and belt clip and often have the case length indicated to allow it to measure inside dimensions, though not very accurately. Construction-grade pocket tapes are available in extra-wide widths to allow for greater standout length and to avoid buckling when taking long measurements unassisted. Steel tape. Although it is still commonly called the steel tape, it is made of either flexible spring steel or plastic and is housed in a case with a crank-type handle for rewinding. Usually it is 30 to 50 meters, 100 to 165 feet long. It is ideal when doing large layouts in construction. At the end of the steel tape is a combined ring and hook. When taking measurements, the hook is placed over the end of the object or, if possible, a nail is inserted to hold the ring. It is important when placing the nail that the very end of the ring be at the start of the measurement. When you pull the tape out of its case, it is important to pull it out as shown below. Rewind the tape in the same direction. Winding the wrong way stretches one side of the tape, causing the tape to curl up when it is pulled from its case. The winding handle of the steel tape is released by pushing a button on the opposite side of the case. The tape seems to stick during rewinding. Tap the case slightly on the side. If it continues to stick, pull out the tape fully and rewind it. Circumference tape, pipe diameter tape. These tape measures typically have dual scales. Most models have a diameter scale on one side and a pocket tape measure scale on the other side used for measuring circumference at the same time. The user wraps the tape around a pipe and reads the number where the tape overlaps. Wraparound. The wraparound is an inexpensive yet indispensable pipe layout tool. It is often used by pipe trades workers who fabricate steel pipe. They are about 12.5 centimeters or 5 inches wide and come in various lengths. This tool is for marking straight lines around a pipe or for use as a straight edge. It is made out of a flexible gasket-like material that has reasonable resistance to heat and cold. All wraparounds are available in two colors. These designate material type and service temperature. Black material has a surface temperature of up to 175 degrees Celsius or 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Gray material is used for high temperature applications up to 290 degrees Celsius or 550 degrees Fahrenheit. 
Both material types are asbestos-free and are printed with a scale in inches or millimeters, a pitch chart, a tangent chart, and other useful layout markings. Carpenter or framing square. Another tool frequently used to measure and lay out larger dimensions on sheet and plate is the framing square. It also gets used frequently for layout and squaring of larger pipes. These squares can be marked in either imperial or in metric measurements. The square has two blades set at 90 degrees to each other. One blade, known as the body, is approximately 600 millimeters to 50 millimeters, or 24 inches by 2 inches, and the other, known as the tongue, is approximately 400 millimeters by 37.5 millimeters, 16 by inch and a half. Various angles can be laid out with a framing square. For example, a 45 degree angle can be accurate laid out if you place the framing square so that the edge of the board intersects the sides of the framing square at an equal measurement along each side of the square. Combination squares. A combination square consists of a tempered steel blade on which three interchangeable heads can be mounted. The three heads are the square head, the protractor head, and the center head. The blade has scales engraved on it, and the heads slide on the blade in a central groove to allow for easy adjustment. The heads can be adjusted to any position along the blade, or they can be removed easily so the blade can be used as a steel rule. Pipe trades workers make regular use of the combination square or combination set, as it is often called, because it can be used for a number of different purposes. Fitters use the combination set to square work, transfer measurements, layout work, level surfaces, determine plumb, establish centers, layout and check angles, and measure recesses. Square head, set square. Square heads have a 90 degree square face and a 45 degree miter face. Most square heads are equipped with a spirit level and a scriber. The square head can be used separately as a level. The figure below shows how the square head of a combination square is used to hold the blade at right angles to the edge of stock or flat bar. Center head. Center heads have two equal arms that permit you to find the center of large or small round stock. The center head is used in combination with a steel blade to quickly locate the center of the piece of round stock. To use the center head, place it firmly against the round stock and scribe several lines in the stock along the blade, rotating the stock about 60 degrees between each scribing. The point where the lines intersect is the center of the block. Protractor head. The protractor head is marked in degrees from 0 to 180. With this head, you can determine and check layout angles. Thread gauge. A thread gauge or screw pitch gauge is used to determine the pitch of various thread forms on bolts, screws, studs, or any threaded equipment. Screw threads are spiral grooves of uniform shape and size formed on the inside of a hole or on the outside of a rod or pipe. Some types of thread taper to form tight seal pipe threads, while others don't bolt thread. These threads are measured as the number of threads per inch on imperial fasteners and as a direct measurement of pitch on metric fasteners. The pitch of a screw thread is the distance from a point on one thread to the same or corresponding point on the next thread. Expressed in threads per inch, the pitch is equal to one 
divided by the number of threads per inch. For example, a screw with 10 threads per inch has a pitch of 1 in 10 inch, 1 divided by 10. In a metric system, the pitch is not expressed in inches or threads per inch, but in a direct measurement of the pitch in millimeters, such as 1 millimeter, 1.25 millimeters, or 1.75 millimeters. With a thread or screw pitch gauge, you can find pitch without using direct measurement or calculation. These instruments are made up of a number of thin blades, each having V-shaped teeth cut along one edge that match a standard thread shape. Each blade also has a number on it to indicate the number of teeth per inch or the pitch in millimeters. To find the pitch of a screw thread, try to fit the appropriate gauge blade to the threads of the fastener being measured. Read the number on the gauge blade that matches your sample. The gauge blade must be held in a parallel line with the fastener to get a correct reading. Centering heads. Centering heads are used for fitting up welded pipe fittings, and in the setting of center lines, establishing angles and marks for buttons, locating points onto pipes and tanks. One model, the Curvo Mark standard model, is used on pipe half-inch diameter and larger. It has a 4-inch Y-type head and is fitted with an adjustable dial bubble protractor and a manually operated hardened centering pin. Contour Marker a contour marker tool is used for fitting up welded pipe fittings and can be used on almost any Y, T, lateral, or miter joint directly on the pipe. This eliminates the time-consuming job of laying out a template. These instruments are very accurate but require some practice in order to make fittings accurately. These instruments consist of a frame that rests on the pipe or flange, a calibrated protractor, and a triple joint marking arm with a soapstone marking point. Refractometer. Refractometers are handheld, lightweight, portable instruments that utilize the measurement of refractive index to determine the concentration of ethylene glycol or propylene glycol antifreeze in sprinkler and heating or cooling systems. The two commonly used types of refractometers are analog and digital handheld units. Hydrometer. A hydrometer is an instrument used for measuring and relative density of liquids based on the concept of buoyancy. They are typically calibrated and graduated with one or more scales, such as specific gravity. The hydrometer makes use of Archimedes' principle that the lower the density of the fluid, the deeper the hydrometer of a given weight sinks. Hydrometers are calibrated for different uses, including the concentration of ethylene glycol or propylene glycol antifreeze in sprinkler and heating or cooling systems. Leveling and plumbing tools. Leveling and plumbing tools include the hand level, torpedo level, line level, plumb bob, and chalk line plumb bob. It is important that all levels be kept accurate in a well-constructed project. Every member is properly located, every horizontal pipe is level or properly graded, and every vertical pipe is plumb. The spirit level. The spirit level is a glass file that indicates level and plumb. Some models use six glass files for the spirit levels, others use three. When six files are used, the vials are slightly curved and filled with alcohol containing a small air bubble. When three vials are used, they are barrel-shaped, that is, wider in the middle. These vials are also filled with alcohol. 
Some levels may have an additional fourth file that is used to check the pitch or grade on drainage pipe. Hand levels. Popular hand levels are about 600 millimeters or 24 inches long, but there are 1200 millimeters, 48 inches, and 1800 millimeters, 72 inches types. Modern models are made from aluminum or plastic. Older types are made of wood. Hand levels should be checked regularly to see if they are true and also be checked for accurate readings. Hand levels that are not accurate should be adjusted or repaired. To check the hand level for straightness, sight along the edge or place the level on a known flat surface, such as the top of a table saw, to see if it is full contact with the surface. Then turn the level over and check again. When using the hand level, take care not to drop it or bang it about as this can put the bubbles out of position and make readings inaccurate. Make a habit of hanging up the level when you are not using it. Torpedo level. The torpedo level is a small aluminum level, 200 to 300 millimeters or six inch to nine inch long. It has a bubble for level, a bubble for plumb, and a bubble for 45 degrees. Plumbers mostly use it, but in the carpentry trade, it is handy for checking spaces too small to accommodate a long level. Line level. The line level is a very short level with hooks at each end to enable it to be attached to a string line. The line should be as tight as possible, the level placed near the center of the line. One end of the line should be attached at the height desired, and the other raised or lowered until the bubble is centered. The line level is good for approximation only such as for excavations, fence posts, or building lines. Optical levels. The optical level, example, builder's level or dumpy level, is a high-powered telescope equipped with crosshairs, somewhat like a telescopic sight for a rifle, centrally mounted on a bearing so that it can rotate only horizontally. A very sensitive spirit bubble is mounted on the telescope, when this bubble is centered, the instrument is level to the line of sight. When mounted on a tripod, the optical level is adjusted with foot screws to center the spirit bubble. As the optical level is rotated through a horizontal circle, the bubble may or may not have to be reset to center, depending on the type of optical level being used. Optical levels are used to establish horizontal points of reference and for determining elevations and benchmarks. Optical levels that are used in the pipe trades are typically used in conjunction with what is known as a level or leveling rod. There are many types of level rods. They can be made of wood, fiberglass, or aluminum alloy. They can be telescopic or can come in sections that are bolted together or that fit one segment into the end of another. There are several different methods of displaying the scales. The type most suited to construction is the segmented type with a reflective face. These levels are easily dismantled for use in confined spaces, and a light source can be reflected on the scales for easy reading in poor light conditions. Laser levels. Laser is a word derived from light amplification by simulated emission of radiation, laser. A mixture of helium and neon gas is used to emit a very narrow beam of light that does not grow larger as it moves away from the source which is, in this case, the laser level. The beam can be directed to any point where it can be rotated continuously at various speeds. Laser beams used in these levels can be either red or green, 
Red is most common, but is harder to see than a green beam in a bright environment. If used in very bright conditions, a sensor or detector may be required. Do not look directly into a laser beam. Looking directly into the beam may be hazardous to your eyes. A quick flash of the beam is not a problem, but avoid prolonged contact with your eyes. The instrument must be positioned either above or below the line of sight of the worker. The instruments can be supported in several ways. The most usual supports are tripods of various heights. They can also be clamped to columns or have small feet attached so that they can be set into or on pipes. Suspension frames are available to hold the instruments and aim them into pipes. Sensors or receivers. Only one person is required when using a laser leveling instrument. When the instrument is set up and the beam is rotating, it creates a level reference plane that can be detected with a sensor or receiver. The sensors or receivers operate on batteries and have a narrow window through which the beam can be detected. When the beam is sensed, the detector shows a small colored light or emits a sound. Sensors or detectors can be attached to the leveling rod or can be used by themselves to locate instrument height on walls, forms, or pipework. Plumb bob. The plumb bob is used to establish a vertical line or a point directly above or below another point. Most plumb bobs are made of steel or brass and have a small threaded point that can be replaced if it becomes damaged. Some plumb bobs are hollow and filled with mercury, which adds weight for dampening movement without increasing size. Plumb bobs vary in size from 250 grams or 9 ounces to 500 grams or 18 ounces. On very large jobs, plumb bobs can weigh as much as 30 kilograms or 65 pounds. These are held by piano wire and suspended in a large pot of oil to dampen movement. Nothing should be allowed to touch a plumb bob line when it is suspended. The string should be attached through the center hole of the bob and tied with a knot underneath. The plumb bob is useful for plumbing piping, walls, posts, concrete forms, and other vertical objects. Plumb bobs that use lasers are also widely available to save time when laying out pipe runs. Laser plumb bobs can be rested on the floor to transfer work upwards to the ceiling, for example. Layout and marking tools. Marking tools are used by tradespeople to indicate exact points of reference for various procedures like cutting or drilling. Soapstone. Soapstone is a chalk-like substance used to mark heat resistance layout lines on steel. The disadvantage of soapstone is that it wipes off quite readily. Because of its brittle nature, soapstone is best contained and used in holders that are round or flat. Scriber, or awl. The scriber is a marking tool made with a hardened, tempered steel scriber point that scratches mild steel and other relatively soft materials. The scriber, or awl, is used to make layout lines that are accurate and have greater permanency than lines made with soapstone. Scribers are precision tools and should not be used for any other purpose, for example, as a toothpick. Chalk line. Chalk lines are used to lay out straight lines on a dry surface. A chalk line consists of a string on a retractable reel contained within a case. The case has a filler opening through which powdered chalk is poured. Every time the string is pulled from the case, it gets a coating of chalk, which is often red, yellow, or black. The line is stretched tightly between two points on a surface 
raised straight above the surface of the material at its center, then allowed to snap back. The snapping action deposits a straight line of chalk on the surface. The end of the line has a hooked eye that allows it to grip the edge of a surface such as plywood or be dropped over a nail into a structural member. Divider and trammel points. Another tool used in connection with layout and metal fabrication is the divider. You can use the divider to scribe circles and arcs or to locate one center point in relation to another. As with the scriber, the hard slender point has to be ground frequently, but gently to avoid overheating, softening the metal. Trammel points are affixed to a length of scaled material and are used for marking large circles. Center punch. The center punch has a tapered bit with a broad, sharp point. Punches are ground to the angle of 90 degrees, which makes them durable tools. But they are also somewhat difficult to position accurately on a smooth work surface such as plate. They are used chiefly for punching identifications in metal as a guide for starting a drill bit. For this procedure, you first mark the material to be drilled with a scriber or pencil. Place the center punch directly on the mark and strike the head of the punch with a sharp blow from a hammer. The indentation will prevent the tip of the drill from slipping or walking out of position. Prick punch. The prick punch has a bit that is tapered to a very narrow, sharp point. The point of a prick punch is ground to an angle of 30 degrees. This gives the prick punch a very thin point that makes it easy to make an exact placement on the workpiece. Although pipe trays workers do not make frequent use of a prick punch, it can be used in connection with drilling to make a small, accurate indentation at the intersection of two layout lines. Once this indentation is accurately located, the center punch can be used to enlarge the indentation to the size appropriate for the drill bit. The prick punch is usually used as a tool to align the holes in two or more sheets or plates. By inserting the tapered end of the prick punch through the holes drilled into the metal and moving it back and forth, you can accurately line up the holes. Punches become dull in time, and like scribers, they need to be ground gently on a grinding wheel. As with scribers, you must take care not to overheat punches, as this will remove the temper of the metal. Hammering and prying tools. Hammering tools are used in the pipe trades for striking and forming material, driving fasteners, and for hitting objects such as punches and pins. Prying tools assist the worker in removing unwanted fasteners or objects. Claw hammers. The head of a hammer is made of drop forged steel, which is heat treated to make it strong and long lasting. Hammers come in different weights. Light hammers, which weigh 370 grams or 13 ounces, are used for finishing. Heavy hammers, up to 900 grams or 32 ounces in weight, are used for framing. The average framing hammer weighs between 570 and 860 grams, 20 to 24 ounces. Hammers also come in two claw styles. The straight, ripping claw, is used most often for ripping apart wooden members. The curved claw is more suitable for pulling nails. Hammer handles are made of wood, fiberglass, or metal. The wood handle, usually fashioned from hickory, absorbs shocks better than the metal handle. The metal or steel handle is either hollow or solid and extends to include the hammerhead. The end of the handle has either a rubber or leather grip. 
The advantage of the metal handle is that it almost never breaks, but as mentioned, it is not a good sharp absorber. The fiberglass handle is a compromise between the wood and steel types. It stands up to wear better than wood and has a superior shock absorbing quality. The head of the hammer should be securely fastened to the handle. The head that is loose should be retightened with metal wedges. The most important feature of a hammer is its balance. The hammer should feel comfortable in the hand, not heavy in its head. The distribution of weight between the head and the handle, along with the length of the handle, determines the hammer's balance. The hammer has two parts, the head and the handle. The head is made up of the following. Face, pole, neck, cheek, claw, adds eye. The face of the hammer is slightly curved and can be either smooth or crosshatched. The crosshatched hammer is usually used for framing as the hatch marks tend to keep the head from slipping off the nail. The crosshatched hammer is not used for finishing because of the marking that is produced. Ball peen hammers. The heads of steel faced hammers, such as ball peen hammers, are made from high grade alloy steel, drop forged and heat treated to a suitable degree of hardness. The ball peen hammer, figure 67, generally has a slightly rounded convex striking surface or face. The end opposite the face is a full half sphere and is called a peen. The size specification for ball peen hammer is determined by the weight of the head. Ball peen hammers weigh from 5.6 grams to 1.3 kilograms, 2 ounce to 3 pounds. Ball peen hammer can be used to set soft rivets or to strike chisels and punches. Small ball peen hammers can be used to cut gaskets. Sledgehammers. Sledgehammers are used for heavy work requiring significant force. They have longer handles than regular hammers and very large rectangular heads. They weigh 2.2 kilograms to 9 kilograms, 5 pounds to 20 pounds. Sledgehammers are also available for special applications with soft heads or specifically shaped heads. Handle length will vary with the weight of the head. Soft face hammers. Soft face hammers have a surface that yields when it strikes an object. Soft face hammers are preferred when machining surfaces and precision parts are involved or when marring, damaging, a finish is undesirable. When you work with parts that may be damaged by a metal hammer, the plastic tip hammer and the composition plastic hammer are good alternatives. You can also protect these parts by placing a piece of wood or brass over the surface before striking it with a hammer. A plastic tip hammer has a soft face head and usually weighs 225 grams to 850 grams, 8 ounces to 32 ounces. Head diameters range from 18 millimeters to 32 millimeters, 3 quarters of an inch to 1 and 1 quarter inch. Replaceable plastic tips are usually available in different degrees of hardness. Another type of soft face hammer has a specially compounded composition plastic tip rather than a clear plastic tip. Replaceable tips consisting of extra tough nylon are also available. This hammer usually is furnished with a fiberglass handle with a rubber hand grip. Brass-headed hammers also have relatively soft faces. They weigh between 450 grams and 850 grams, one and two pounds. A brass-headed hammer can be used for driving gears or shafts or for tapping shaft-mounted rocker arms off a shaft. A rubber mallet has a high-grade rubber head 
molded onto the handle. The handle may have ridges and grooves to retain the head. Rubber mallet heads are all about the same size, but weights vary from between 450 grams and 850 grams, one and two pounds. A rubber mallet should be selected when it is important not to scratch or dent a nearby surface. However, this hammer should not be used on sharp or hardened work. Rubber mallets are often used for steam tracing tubing. Lead hammers are used as dead blow hammers because they don't bounce back. They also don't mar or scratch delicate surfaces. Unfortunately, they tend to rub off bits of highly toxic lead dust and should not be used anymore. A better alternative is a hammer with a hollow head filled with steel shot. Chipping hammers. Chipping hammers are a regular part of the pipe fitters or welders set of tools. They are used after every weld deposit to chip the slag from the weld. The heads of chipping hammers are made of forged alloy steel that has been hardened and drawn for maximum toughness. Types available differ only slightly in design, and the most popular is the cone and straight chisel with either a wire or a hardwood handle. The pointed tip of the slender cone and the thin tapered chisel edge can reach slag in even the most confined area. Wrecking bar. The wrecking bar or gooseneck is from 300 millimeters to 950 millimeters, 12 inch to 36 inch long, with the average length being about 750 millimeters or 18 inches. It is made of heavy octagon shaped steel with one end flattened and the other formed into a hook and claw for pulling nails. This bar is used for demolition, stripping concrete formwork, and any work that involves prying. Pry bar. The pry bar, also called a crowbar or long bar, is made in two styles, a pinch point and a wedge point. A pry bar is from 1200 millimeters to 1725 millimeters, five foot to six foot long, weighs about 15 kilograms or 33 pounds, and measures about 40 millimeters or inch and a half at the widest point. Bars used for heavy work such as stripping concrete pipe sleeves and loosening compacted soil. Wonder Bar. The Wonder Bar, which is about 400 millimeters or 16 inches long, is made from flat metal. It is used for light duty prying and stripping. There is a claw on either end, one bent to 90 degrees, the other bent to form a slight kink for prying. Its flat, wide surface area make it a useful prying tool for general work. Nail Claw. The Nail Claw, or Cat's Paw, is a short bar about 30 centimeters or 12 inches long. At one end, there is a nail claw, at the other end, a chisel point, which is slightly bent for prying. This bar is very useful for wood frame construction when nails have to be pulled from lumber. The small claw is driven under the head of the nail, and depending on the length, the nail is completely pulled or just started. A wrecking bar can then be used to finish pulling larger nails. Bracing and clamping tools. Bracing and clamping tools allow the pipe tradesperson to secure material while it is being fabricated or manipulated. It is important to know the various types of tools available to make your job safer and less difficult. Vices. A good quality vise is a very rugged piece of equipment. Vices hold material or a part at a bench or stand while work such as assembly, disassembly, welding, or filing is being performed. Bench vise. The standard metal 
or bench vise is available in many sizes and variations. Many include a flat anvil surface on the back so that the tradesperson can use this area for forming metal. The size of a vise is usually measured by jaw width, but the maximum jaw opening should also be measured and considered when selecting a vise. Most good vices are available with a variety of jaw widths. Some vices have a set of curved serrated jaws just above the widening screw to hold pipe. The jaws on most styles may be replaceable. The machine vise. This type of vise is used to hold a workpiece for a machining operation. For example, a machine vise is used to hold a workpiece for drilling with the drill press. The vise can be bolted to the drill press table Machine vise jaws are replaceable. The jaw face is usually smooth to prevent the workpiece from becoming marred. The jaws may also have vertical and horizontal machine grooves to provide a gripping surface for round or irregularity shaped objects. C-clamps are available in many different sizes. The width they will open to and throat depths, the distance they can reach over a piece of stock. They come in sizes ranging from 25 millimeters to 120 centimeters. 1 inch to 24 inches. C-clamps are used to clamp a workpiece to a drill press table when the item is oddly shaped or too large to fit into a vise. They are also often used to hold a workpiece during welding or soldering operations. When welding, you must be careful to protect the screws of the clamp from weld spatter. It is also important that C-clamps not be over-tightened as this can damage both the clamp and the work. Wood vices. Wood vices are used to hold a piece of wood while it is being worked on. By using a vise, you can use both hands on the tool, increasing your speed, accuracy, and control. The wood vise has two flat metal jaws that are opened or closed by the action of a screw thread. Wood pads are usually attached to the inner faces of the jaws to prevent marring the workpiece held in the vise. Wood vices are bolted to the front of a workbench to add to their stability. The vise has a small sliding lever near the handle that releases the screw thread and allows for rapid opening or closing of the vise. Pipe vices. Pipe vices are holding devices used to hold pipe stationary while you perform operations such as cutting, reaming, and threading. Some are attached to portable stands for use at the job site. Others are designed to be mounted on a workbench only. Bench-mounted pipe vices. Following pipe vices are permanently mounted to shop benches. Bench yoke vise. The iron yoke and base and the addition of steel jaws make this yoke vise a sturdy tool. Like other bench mountain vices, it features a pipe rest. The advantages of this type of vise is the uneven pressure it distributes by gripping only part of the pipe wall. Too much pressure will result in damaged or deformed pipe. Typical maximum capacity is 15 centimeters or 6 inches. Top Screw Bench Chain Vise The top screw chain vise is a popular bench-mounted type. Its main advantage lies with the holding chain, which distributes pressure evenly around the pipe. The crank handle is anchored to the base and can be swung freely and quickly in this top mount position. The toothless jaws chain are sometimes specially coated with neoprene to avoid scoring the pipe. Pipe capacity is typically up to 20 centimeters or 8 inches. Bottom Screw Chain Vise This vise is no longer popular and is usually found in established fabrication shops only. The construction is similar to that of the top screw model 
except for the position of the screw, which makes it slower to operate and provides for application of less force. Pipe capacity is usually up to four inches. Open side vise. This vise is used for clamping a long length of pipe, but like the bench yoke vise, pressure is not distributed evenly around the pipe wall. It also maintains the advantage of only applying down forces from one side of the material. Pipe capacity is normally up to 10 centimeters or 4 inches. Portable pipe vices. The following pipe vices are portable for use on the job site. Tri-stand chain vise. This vise has a large base, hinged legs, and a folding tool tray, making it a complete portable workbench. The chain type a vise is particularly popular because of the chain holds a pipe quickly and securely with uniform pressure. It is reasonably light and easily maneuverable to any area of the work site. To maintain stability, it can be fastened with drop-in anchors or other appropriate fasteners to the floor, or it can be secured by the ceiling above with what is called the ceiling brace screw. This adjustable device allows the operator to quickly measure and cut a piece of 25mm 1-inch pipe to install plumb above the deck of the vise and tighten it against the ceiling for stability. Some models come equipped with a series of tubing benders formed into the deck of the unit. Pipe capacity is normally up to 5 inches. Tri-stand yoke vise. This vise is similar to the tri-stand chain vise in most ways, except that the holding device is a pair of jaws rather than a chain. This vise is limited to holding pipe sizes up to and including 6 centimeters or 2.5 inches. As is with the bench yoke vise, pressure is not distributed evenly around the pipe. Top screw stand chain vise. Two pairs of legs connected by a pipe make this vise handy for working on long lengths of pipe that require support. The legs and connecting pipe along the center are fabricated on site by the pipe trades worker to suit the height and length required. This vise, like most chain style vices, will typically have a maximum capacity of 13 centimeters or 5 inches. Top screw post chain vise. This is a light but strong vise that fits any shape or kind of post to create an instant work platform. This vise might be used on a job site where it is inconvenient to set up a tri-stand vise or when working on overhead piping. Pipe capacity is often 5 inches maximum. Portable kit yoke vise. Similar to the post chain vise in application, the vise clamps to a plank, a workbench, or a flat beam or post up to 10 centimeters or 4 inches thick. Maximum pipe capacity in this vise is normally up to 6 centimeters or 2.5 inches. Pipe vises for welding. Typically made of malleable iron, welding vises resist strain, heat, and distortion during welding, tacking procedures. Tack welding for fit up a pipe. Screws and pins are used to hold the vise chains around the pipe. Straight pipe welding vise. Used on mains and risers, the straight pipe welding vise holds and aligns pipe to be tacked. Pipe capacity typically ranges from 13 millimeters to 21 centimeters, half inch to eight inches. Angle pipe welding vise. The angle pipe welding vise is used on headers and branches. It holds a branch line at a right angle to a main or header while layout and cutting work is done. This type of vise can allow the pipe trades worker to work unassisted to fit up the joint. 
Pipe capacity typically ranges from 13 millimeters to 30 centimeters, half inch to 12 inches. Elbow pipe welding vise. The elbow pipe welding vise is used on horizontal mains, risers, and other right angle changes of direction. It permits lining up and holding of 90 degree elbows the pipe until tacking is completed. Pipe capacity is often 6 centimeters to 21 centimeters, 2.5 inches to 8 inches. Flange pipe welding vise. The flange pipe welding vise lines up the face of a flange at a right angle to the run of the pipe and holds it square for tacking. Pipe capacity is often 6 centimeters to 21 centimeters, 2.5 to 8 inches. Wrenches. A wrench is a tool that is used to grip and turn a fastener or fitting. You will need a variety of different wrenches that come in both standard and metric measurements. When selecting a wrench to use, you must first know the size of the nut or bolt head and then find a corresponding wrench. Usually, but not always, each end of the wrench is a different size and is stamped accordingly. Wrenches are available with straight or offset heads. Different styles include open-end wrench, box-end wrench, combination wrench, tubing nut, flare nut wrench, adjustable wrench, ratchet wrench, slug wrench, hexagon key wrench or allen key, socket wrench, ratchet torque wrench, and pipe wrench. Open-end wrench. An open-end wrench has an open head on each end. It was designed to fit both square-headed or four corners and hex-headed six corners nuts and bolts. Even though it has the advantage of being easy to position, this style of wrench can wear down corners on the nut or bolt head because it only makes contact at two points. While the open-end wrench may not provide a good grip, as a box end wrench, it can be used in situations where you cannot reach all the faces of the nut or bolt head. Box end wrench. The box end wrench is an excellent tool for tightening and loosening nuts and bolts. Unlike the open end wrench, the box end wrench is made to grip the nut or bolt head on all sides. This prevents slipping and allows greater leverage. The wrench must be slipped over the top of the nut or bolt head. The points around the inner circumference of the opening securely grip the bolt head or nut. These wrenches are available in either 6 or 12 point design. The 6 point wrench provides a more secure grip, but the wrench must be rotated further to achieve the next gripping location compared to the 12 point design. The two ends of the box end wrench are usually different sizes. For example, a wrench with a 5 8 inch opening on one end and an 11 16 inch opening on the other end would be referred to as a 5 8 by 11 16 inch wrench. A metric wrench would have sizes such as 10 millimeters by 12 millimeters. The size of the wrench does not refer to the bolt diameter, but rather to the distance across the flat of the nut or bolt head. Like the open end wrench, the box end wrench usually has the size of stamp near the corresponding head. Combination wrench. The combination wrench is an open end wrench and a box end wrench with both ends of the same size, combined into one tool. All the features of open end and box end wrenches apply also to a combination wrench. Combination wrench is available with six or 12 point box end heads and in a wide selection of sizes and lengths. Tubing nut wrench or flare nut wrench. The tubing nut or flare nut wrench is specially designed to provide a secure grip 
on line fittings. These wrenches have a slot through which the line or tube can be passed to allow a grip that is almost equal to a box end wrench. This grip prevents wearing of the fitting hex nut corners during removal or installation, as might occur with an open end wrench. These wrenches are available in both imperial and metric, in a variety of sizes, and in both 6 and 12 point design. Adjustable wrench. The adjustable wrench has a provision for adjusting the opening to suit the nut or bolt being turned. The adjustable jaw is moved by a knurled nut. The size of all adjustable wrenches is designated by the wrench length, which varies from 10 centimeters to 61 centimeters, or 4 inch to 24 inches. For example, the 4 inch wrench has half inch jaw capacity, while the 12 inch wrench has an inch and 5 16 inch capacity. Adjustable wrenches are useful but should never be used as a substitute for an open-end or box-end wrench. Adjustable wrenches can be pulled in either direction for light loads but develop their greatest strength when pressure is applied to the side of the wrench with the fixed jaw. Always be sure that the wrench is adjusted as tightly as possible against the nut or bolt head before attempting to turn it. This will act to avoid rounding the corners of fasteners when stalling or removing them. Ratchet wrench a ratchet wrench is a tool that is useful in tight places where it is impossible to reposition the wrench after each turn. Instead, you just move the handle back and forth once the box end is positioned over the fastener. It is not recommended for heavy applications. Slug wrench or striking wrench. This is a specialized thick, short, stocky wrench with a block at the end of the handle specifically designed for being struck with a hammer in order to add greater force. Used commonly with large fasteners, slug wrenches also provide shock and high force used to release large or stuck nuts and bolts, and are useful when space does not allow room for a large wrench. Hex key wrench or Allen key. The hex key or Allen key wrench is typically an L-shaped bar of hexagon-shaped tooled steel. It is made to fit the hexagon-shaped hole found in some fasteners. Hex keys are classified by the size of their hexagonal stock measured across the hex flats. They come in either imperial or metric measurements, with the size usually stamped on the wrench. They're also available as a socket wrench in a folding set or as a series of T-handled drivers. Socket wrenches. Socket wrenches are designed to be used for turning fasteners that cannot be easily accessed with a standard wrench. Socket wrenches may have 4, 6, 8, or 12 points. The 6 and 12 point sockets are most common. The 6 point socket is stronger and will do less damage to the fastener than a 12 point socket. A basic socket wrench set is made up of a handle and several barrel shaped sockets. Each socket has a square hole on one end that fits directly into the drive lug on the socket wrench handle. The other end of the socket looks like a box end wrench and has 6, 8 or 12 points. With the socket firmly attached to the wrench handle, the socket is placed over the nut or bolt head and the handle is moved to loosen or tighten the fastener. The universal flex or swivel socket permits the socket to be used at various angles by the swiveling action of the socket head. The deep socket allows you to loosen a nut on a stud or bolt that has a large number of threads showing when standard sockets would not be long enough to reach the nut. Socket sizes are marked on the outside of the socket and indicate the head side size of the fastener that they will fit. Other special sockets include those designed for removing and replacing oil pressure and temperature sending units, 
spark plugs, and sockets designed for use with impact wrenches. Impact sockets have stronger construction and are not chrome-plated, since the chrome would crack and flake off. The thick walls and heavy construction allow them to take the shock of the impact. For this reason, standard sockets should never be used with impact wrenches. The square drive is the end of the socket that attaches to the socket handle. The square drives range in size from 6 mm or quarter inch to 5 cm, 2 inches. The 6 mm quarter inch through 19 mm three quarter inch sizes are most common. The drive size is measured in inches on both metric and imperial sockets. Some socket handles have a small, half exposed ball bearing centered on the side of the square drive. When the socket is fully pushed onto the socket handle, a machine groove or mating hole aligns with the recessed ball bearing to assist in retaining the socket. Ratchet torque wrenches. Specifically useful for installing no-hub cast iron soil pipe couplings, these wrenches tighten with a quick ratchet action and automatically release when they reach a preset amount of torque or twisting force. The 5 16 inch driver model is common and is preset to 60 inch pounds. The 3 8 inch model is preset to 80 inch pounds. The click type torque release function prevents over tightening or damaging of gear clamps when installing no hub couplings. Pipe wrenches. A pipe wrench is used for turning pipe and other round objects. The sharp jaw teeth of the pipe wrench will dig in and mar or damage the surface. Pipe wrench should not be used to turn bolts or nuts unless the head of the bolt has been damaged and will not accept a straight-faced wrench or socket. Before using a pipe wrench, remove any grease or dirt from both the part to be turned and the pipe wrench jaws. A small wire brush or scribing tool is adequate. Adjust the movable jaw so that the work is gripped near the center of the jaws. Pull carefully until the wrench has a good bite on the work. Then exert the force necessary to turn or tighten the work. Pipe wrenches should never be used on hardened surfaces since the jaw teeth may be dulled or chipped. A variety of wrenches are used for gripping and turning pipe and fittings. The type of wrench selected for a job depends on pipe size, pipe material, and the amount of workspace available. The following wrenches are most common to the piping trade. Straight pattern pipe wrench, end pattern pipe wrench, wrap wrench, offset pattern pipe wrench, Stilson pattern pipe wrench, Vertical pipe wrench, rapid grip wrench, spud wrench, hexagonal pipe wrench, compound leverage pipe wrench, chain wrench, chain tong, strap wrench, basin wrench, plastic nut basin wrench, and internal wrench. The jaws of pipe wrenches have teeth for gripping round objects. The heel jaw is attached to the handle, while the hook jaw can be made to move in and out by adjusting the nut on the threaded section of the hook jaw. Both the shank of the hook jaw and the nut are held in position by the wrench housing. Straight pattern pipe wrench. Available in at least 10 models, each is designed for a certain range of pipe sizes. The smallest is typically 150 millimeters or 6 inches long and has a pipe capacity of 3 quarter inch. The largest is 1500 millimeters or 60 inches long for use in 8 inch pipe. Pipe wrench sizes are designated by their length, measured from the tip of the handle to the inside of the hook jaw when fully extended. Like the other standard wrenches shown here, this wrench comes with either an aluminum or cast iron handle. End pattern pipe wrench. 
These wrenches have 45 degree opening and can be used when working in tight quarters or next to a wall or a corner. Produced in about eight different sizes, the end pattern pipe wrench accepts pipe sizes ranging from 19 mils to 13 centimeters, three quarters of an inch to five inches. Wrap wrench. This forefather of the modern pipe wrench has a pipe diameter scale on the hook jaw for size setting. It is available in several models with different pipe size capacities. This wrench has a deeper, broader hook jaw housing with a smooth, flat, hardened surface that is used like a hammer to jar loose pipes and fittings that have seized. The wrap wrench can be usually accept sizes up to 38 millimeters or one and a half inches. Offset pattern pipe wrench. This unique pattern has the jaw open parallel to the direction of the handle. It also has a narrower hook jaw head. These features allow easy entry to tight spots. Several models are marketed with pipe capacities of 5 centimeters, 6 centimeters, and 8 centimeters, or 2, 2.5, and, and 3 inches. Stilson Pattern Pipe Wrench This forefather of the modern pipe wrench has a pipe diameter scale on the hook jaw for size setting. It is available in several models with different pipe size capacities with the maximum pipe size of 6 centimeters or 2.5 inches. Vertical Pipe Wrench this wrench is manufactured without a long handle and requires the user to insert a handle into the head assembly. It can be used on either vertical or horizontal pipe in closely confined areas and operates in a similar way to that of a basin wrench. It is especially useful for underground valve locations. Pipe capacity is typically 5 centimeters or 2 inches maximum. Rapid Grip Wrench This wrench has a spring-loaded jaw designed for quick ratcheting action. It allows for one-handed operation while the worker uses the other hand to hold a backup wrench. It has a distinctive jaw design to accept multiple sizes and shapes of material. Maximum jaw capacity is usually 5 centimeters or 2 inches. Spud wrench. This tool, also known as a monkey wrench, utilizes smooth, flat, narrow jaws that are ideal for use on square or rectangular stock, such as flat-edged fitting. Hexagonal pipe wrenches. The hexagonal wrench appears in two designs, straight and offset. Both types gives a multi-sided grip, but the main difference between the two is the extra wide opening of the offset, which is ideal for securing drain nuts on tubs and sinks. Thin, smooth jaws fit into tight spaces easily. Compound leverage pipe wrench. This wrench has the ability to multiply leverage numerous times. The chain wrench part attaches to the pipe adjacent to the fitting and imparts a holding force opposite in the direction to the turning force of the hook jaw, which grasps the fitting. It is ideal for loosening seized joints. This wrench works on right or left-hand threads and comes in several models, with pipe size capacities of 5 centimeters to 20 centimeters or 2 to 8 inches. Chain wrenches. Chain wrenches and chain tongs provide another method of tightening threaded pipe and fittings. They have the advantage of distributing pressure evenly without crushing and work well in tight work areas since the only clearance needed is sufficient space to wrap the chain around the pipe or fitting. Chain tongs. Tongs are manufactured in various sizes that can be used for pipe diameters from 6 millimeters to 30 centimeters or quarter inch to 12 inches. When the teeth on one end of the double end tongs jaw have become dull, the head can be unbolted and reversed. Single-ended tongs, not shown, have a head that is non-reversible.
Strap wrenches. Designed for polished or chrome pipe, the strap wrench has a woven nylon strap to give a tight grip. The various models have different strap lengths and widths as well as different handle lengths. The two basic sizes have pipe capacities of 5 cm to 13 cm or 2 to 5 inches and handle lengths of 300 mils or 11 and 3 quarter inch and 450, 18 inches. A powdered rosin product can be applied to the strap for increased friction. Basin wrenches. The spring-loaded jaws of this tool allow one-hand ratcheting on nuts in hard-to-reach areas. A tension plug holds the tool's head at any angle up to 90 degrees. This wrench is particularly handy behind sinks and lavatories where it is impossible to use a standard wrench. The telescoping basin wrench can be adjusted for lengths. Its maximum capacity is 6 centimeters or 2.5 inches. The non-telescoping model has a maximum capacity of 32 millimeters or 1.25 inches. Plastic nut basin wrenches. Plastic nut basin wrenches are a type of basin wrench that is designed for turning plastic mounting nuts on faucets, sprayers, and ball cocks. They often have a hole through the barrel to allow a screwdriver shaft to fit through and help increase torque. Internal wrench. The internal wrench is used to hold pipes, nipples, and fixture connections in place from the inside while a nut is tightened down. The knurled head of some types is reversible to accept sizes from 2.5 centimeters to 5 centimeters or 1 to 2 inches. Pliers. Pliers are used to increase gripping power when holding relatively small diameter objects. Of the many types and designs that are produced, three pliers illustrated below are the types most commonly used in the piping trades. Combination slip joint pliers. Combination slip joint pliers are the most common general purpose pliers. It can be adjusted two sizes by means of a sliding pivot that allows the jaws of the pliers to open widely for gripping larger items. The jaws have sharp, hardened cross teeth to grip the object on which you are working. Arc joint pliers. Arc joint pliers are made in various sizes with maximum capacities up to 10 centimeters or 4 inches. The tongue and groove design provides maximum power at all openings. This type of joint design's advantage is that it is less prone to slipping under force due to increased surface area. Most piping trades people will refer to these simply as channel lock pliers. That manufacturer being the innovator of this product. Water pump pliers. Water pump pliers have a maximum capacity of 5 centimeters or 2 inches. They are a style of slip joint plier having multiple positions. Multiple slip joint setup provides for rapid changes of jaw opening. Linesman pliers. Linesman pliers are non-adjustable in that they have a fixed pivot point and are easy to use for a multitude of tasks, from bending metal to tying wire. Originally designed for the electrical field, their flat serrated jaws are equipped with cutters for snipping wires. Needle nose pliers. Needle nose pliers come in a variety of sizes and styles, some incorporating a cutting surface. Many needle nose pliers are useful in bending wire into curves or circles and for retrieving small parts from equipment and hard-to-reach places. Diagonal or side-cutting pliers. Diagonal or side-cutting pliers are made with a diagonally cut head or face and a hard steel cutting edge to cut wire or other metal objects close to the surface. Diagonal cutters are especially useful for removing cotter pins. Those are pins used for securing parts to equipment 
and for trimming cotter pins to the desired length after installation. Locking pliers. Locking pliers are produced by several manufacturers in a multitude of styles, but are often referred to as vice grips due to the popularity of that brand. They have a built-in spring-type mechanism which can be locked into position and released by pulling or squeezing a release lever. Locking pliers come in several sizes and styles and are available either with straight, cutting, or curved jaws. Wire strippers or crimpers. Wire strippers and crimpers are used when making multiple wiring connections or splices. They include squared and rounded crimping heads, multi-gauge wire strippers, and a set of wire cutters. Most types also have small holes that enable smooth, quick cutting of small diameter machine bolts. Screwdrivers. Screwdrivers are available in a variety of lengths and sizes. The length of a screwdriver is measured from the tip to where the handle joins the blade. Lengths range from 38 millimeters to 60 centimeters, one and a half inches to 12 inches or more, with the shorter lengths known as stubbies. Stubby screwdrivers are used only when space is not permit use of longer screwdrivers. Some common screwdriver types include slotted, Robertson, Phillips, ratchet, stubby, offset, Torx, clutch drive, and Allen. The parts of a screwdriver are the head, handle, ferrule, shank, blade, and tip. The length of the blade, as mentioned above, indicates the size of a screwdriver. Some screwdrivers may have square shanks that permit turning with a wrench when required for extra torque. Slotted screwdriver. Although almost completely replaced by the Robertson head in modern construction, the slotted screwdriver was at one time the most commonly used screwdriver and is still sometimes referred to as the conventional screwdriver. It comes in many lengths and tip sizes. When you select a screwdriver for slot screws, make sure that the tip is as wide as the diameter of the screw head and that it has it as thick as the slot size. Figure below shows the correct fit for slot screwdrivers. The tip of the screwdriver becomes worn and rounded, reshape it by filing or grinding. This figure shows correctly and incorrectly ground tips. Robertson screwdriver. The advantage of the Robertson head system is that it has a square-shaped socket in the screw head and a square protrusion in the tool. Both the tool and the socket have a taper, which makes inserting the driver easier and also tends to help keep the screw on the tool tip without the worker needing to hold it there. Robertson screwdrivers are named after Canadian inventor P.L. Robertson, who invented the system in Milton, Ontario in 1908. Robertson head screwdrivers are available in range of tip sizes. Robertson screwdrivers have a unique system of color coding that are indicated on their handle according to the following color and sizing system. Phillips screwdrivers. Phillips screws and drivers were known as crossheads when Henry Phillips first developed them in the early 1930s. The importance of that Phillips screw design lies in self-centering property, useful on automated production lines that use powered screwdrivers. The Phillips screwdriver is available in the following sizes. Number 00, 0, 1, 2, 3, and number 4, with the double zero being the smallest and number 4 being the largest. Ratchet screwdrivers. The ratchet screwdriver typically has different tips for fitting into slotted Robertson and Phillips screws. 
to speed up a job, the ratchet on the ferrule of the driver can be set to install or remove a screw without the operator having to release the handle to re-grip the driver. It can also be set to a lock position to permit the driver to be operated in as an ordinary screwdriver. Stubby and offset screwdrivers. The stubby screwdriver is available in all sizes of slot, Robertson, and Phillips tips. The blade and handle are very short. Another design is the offset screwdriver, which enables the operator to reach into tight spaces. Most offset designs are Z-shaped with the face of the tip, one end at right angles to the face of the tip at the other end. Torx screwdrivers. Torx is the trademark for a type of screw head characterized by a six-point star-shaped pattern. By design, Torx head screws resist cam-out, or slipping out of the screw head, better than Phillips head or slot head screws. Where Phillips heads were designed to cause the driver to cam out to prevent over-tightening, Torx heads were designed to prevent cam out. Torx screws are commonly found on automobiles, motorcycles, hard disk drives, and consumer electronics. Initially, they were sometimes used in applications requiring tamper resistance since the drive systems and screwdrivers were not initially widely available. Never use an Allen key wrench on a Torx screw. The head of the Torx screw may appear to fit an Allen key wrench, but you will find that as soon as force is applied, the corners of both the wrench and screw may be damaged. Clutch drive screwdriver. The clutch, screwdriver, and screw are used in the automotive and manufacturing industries. The driver tip must exactly match the size of the head. The head of the screw is held firmly by the driver tip. If a slot or Phillips driver were used with it, the screw might slip out. Allen head or hex head screwdrivers. Similar to the Allen key wrench, Allen head screwdrivers have a hexagonal head used to drive screws that have a matching hexagonal socket in the head. Tubing benders. An annealed copper tube can easily be bent across your knee, but its original circular cross-section will be flattened in the process because the lateral forces across the part being bent haven't been contained. The use of tubing benders enables smooth corners to be formed in tubing while retaining the original profile. Tube benders range in styles from simple spring benders to complex mechanical benders that are used for larger bending operations. Maximum capacities for tubing benders will be dictated by tubing diameter, wall thickness, style of benders, and type and temper of the material. Spring tubing benders. These type of benders form quick changes of direction in small diameter, soft-drawn copper, and aluminum tubing. Capacities range from 6 mm to 22 mm or quarter inch to 7 8 inch OD. Compression hand lever benders. This bender is designed for bending stainless steel, steel, copper, and aluminum tubes of several sizes. It is equipped with a degree dial on the bending wheel, allowing the user to easily read any angle of the bend. Tube size dimensions for this type of bender usually range from 5 mm to 19 mm, or 3 16th to 3 quarters inch OD. Parts of the compression hand lever bender. Bending wheel. Provides a circular form that the tube rotates around during the actual bending process. Placement link. Has indicators that are used to correspond with measurements that are marked on the tubing. Pull handle. Assists to draw the tubing around the bending wheel to, 
to the desired bend required. Tubing fastener. Axe to lock the tubing in place during the bending process. Stationary handle. Supports the bending wheel while the bender is being used. Swedging tool. A swedging tool is sometimes used to join two lengths of tubing together. The tool is driven into the end of an annealed, which is softened by heat treating tube. This forms a socket that will accept the end of, of the other piece of tube perfectly. Some swedging tools come in sets with a dedicated tool for each tube size, while others may have step formations to be used for multiple sizes. Flaring tool. Flaring tools are used to provide a mechanical joint in tubing systems when flaring the end of the tube is clamped into a flaring block to the correct height. The body of the tool is placed over the flaring block and a screw is turned to drive a steel cone toward the end of the tube. The better versions of flaring tool have a steel cone moving eccentrically, which sweeps the edge of the tube as it lowers, forming a 45 degree flare. During tube installation, the flare is seated to a fitting with the inside of the flare against the cone-shaped end of the fitting, and the flare nut is screwed onto the fitting, pulling the inside of the flare against the seating surface of the fitting. PEX connecting tools. Crosslink polyethylene, or PEX, has become very popular for use in residential water plumbing because of its flexibility. PEX tubing has also become the most popular material to transport water in hydronic radiant heating systems. Methods of joining the tubing include crimping, compressing, expanding, and stainless steel clamping. It is unable to be welded with solvents. Crimping tools. The standard method for connecting PEX pipe to brass or plastic PEX insert fittings uses a copper crimp ring and a crimping tool. The copper crimp ring is inserted over the pipe, the fitting is inserted inside the pipe, and the copper ring is crimped over the pipe and fitting using the crimping tool. The compression forces of the tool deform the ring to hold tightly against the tube and fitting, providing a reliable seal. These tools are available in single size models, multiple size models, and a special style used for crimping in tight locations. The stainless steel clamp SSC method uses special clamps designed for PEX connections. The fittings used here are the same used in the standard connection method above, but in the method, the SSC fastens the PEX tube to the fitting. A special SSC crimping tool is used to tighten the clamp around the tube and fitting. Crimp ring removal tool, or decrimper. PEX crimp fittings can be made reusable with the use of this crimp ring removal tool. Its jaws are set to a depth that will bite through the crimp ring and tubing, but won't damage the fitting. Some types will work on multiple sizes of tube, while others are size-specific. PEX expander tools. The expansion method involves using an expander tool to increase the diameter of the PEX tube and a PEX collar or ring. Special expansion fittings are inserted into the tube once expanded, which shrinks back to shape around the fitting. This method is unique and specific to one manufacturer's product. The shape memory capability of certain types of PEX tubing allows for this distinctive joining capability. Not all types of PEX tubing can be joined through the expansion process. The shape memory capability of PEX-A tubing, which is tubing that is manufactured using the Ingle method, allows for this distinctive joining capability. 
effects tubing types B and C, which are manufactured differently, must use crimp rings or SSCs. Hand threading tools. The threaded piping used in some plumbing installations for the delivery of gases or fluids under pressure has a threaded section that narrows to create a seal in contrast to the straight thread pattern commonly found on bolts. This is called tapered thread. Pipe thread. The seal provided by a threaded pipe joint depends upon the diminishing seal created by the threads and sometimes on the presence of a sealing coating such as thread seal tape or Teflon tape or a liquid or paste applicant such as pipe dope. Pipe dopes and tape are applied to male or external threads to lubricate the matching of the threads, thereby reducing friction and allowing the joint to be properly tightened to specifications without binding. Standard developed in North America for tapered threads is the ANSI ASME standard B1.20.1 and is known as National Pipe Thread or NPT or sometimes to refer to as American Standard Pipe Thread, ASPT. The rate of taper for all NPT threads is 132nd inch per inch, or 1 degree 47 feet. And the grooves that create the threads are formed at 60 degree angles. Commonly used sizes are 8 quarter, 3 eighths, half, 3 quarter, 1, inch and a quarter, inch and a half, and 2 inch, appearing on pipes and fittings by most North American suppliers. Sizes smaller than 8 inch are occasionally used for compressed air, while sizes larger than 2 inch are uncommon due to the use of alternative methods of joining that are most common to these larger sizes. European Standard Thread is known as ISO Thread, or formerly British Standard Pipe Thread, BSPT. In this system, there are two types of thread distinguished British Standard Pipe Parallel Thread, BSPPT, which is a running thread with no taper, similar to the bolt thread, in which the diameter of the threads is constant, and British Standard Pipe Taper Thread, BSPTT, in which the thread diameter increases or decreases along its length. Note that BSPT and NPT are not interchangeable. BSPT and ISO use threads produced at an angle of 55 degrees, and the threads are rounded equally at crests and roots by circular arcs. Especially precise threads are known as dry fit or dry seal, meaning that no sealant is required for a gas-tight seal. Such threads are designed to ANSI or ASME standard B1.20.1 and are needed where a sealant would contaminate or react with the contents inside the piping, example oxygen service. Tapered threaded fittings are most commonly found in conjunction with carbon steel and other metallic pipe, but are also used on plastic piping. Due to the interference fit wedging effect of the tapered thread, extreme care must be used to avoid over-tightening a plastic joint. The overstressed female fitting may split days, weeks, or even years from initial installation. Pipe size is specified with two non-dimensional numbers, nominal pipe size, or NPS, or diameter, based on inches, and pipe schedule, SCED or SCED, for wall thickness. Nominal pipe size, or NPS, is loosely related to the inside diameter of Schedule 40 pipe. NPS is used for referencing pipe sizes from 3 millimeters or 8 inch, 
through 30 centimeters or 12 inch respectively. Because of the pipe wall thickness, the actual diameter of the threads is larger than the NPS. Other schedules of pipe have different wall thicknesses, but the OD and thread profile remain the same. The inside diameter of the pipe is therefore different from the nominal diameter. Most threads are right hand, which means the fitting is screwed onto the threaded pipe in a clockwise motion. Other threads are left hand, in which case the fitting is screwed onto the threaded pipe with a counterclockwise motion. Unless a thread is designated otherwise, it is assumed to be right hand. Considering that seven to eight threads are engaged when a pipe is screwed to a fitting, a few more for pipe sizes larger than 32 mils or inch and a quarter, the approximate thread engagement can be measured or calculated for the various sizes of pipe. This will be useful in determining the length of pipe to cut when the center-to-center -center measurements between two fittings is known. Pipe taps. Pipe taps are used to cut or repair internal pipe threads. The process is called tapping and is usually done by hand using a special wrench to hold and turn the tap. The pipe tap cuts standard tapered internal pipe threads. The diameter and pitch are usually stamped on the shank or the shaft of the tap. The flutes or grooves on a tap provide a space between the cutting edges to catch metal chips. The square end of the tap provides a sturdy grip for the tap wrench. Before attempting to tap new threads in a bar hole, taper the hole with a taper pipe reamer to properly shape the hole. Pipe dies. Dies are used to cut the external threads on pipe and fittings. The process is known simply as threading. A die head holds the cutting dies in place. A handle is mounted on the die head, often with a ratchet assembly for convenience and ease of operation, and then turned to form the threads. Dies have flutes or spaces between the cutting edges to provide space for metal chips to escape during the threading operation. They also have an angle notched into the front of the die called the lead angle, which allows the dies to start easily on the workpiece. There are two main types of dies, full-width dies and receding dies. Full-width dies. Full-width dies are equal to the length of the thread to be cut. The die moves along the pipe as it cuts the thread. When the outer edge of the die is flush with the end of the pipe, the thread is complete. This applies to taper threads only. Full-width dies are used for threading smaller pipe sizes where less effort is required. Receding dies. Receding dies have considerably less width than the length of the thread to be cut. The die must travel along the pipe to cut the thread, and as the die moves along the pipe, it must recede from the center line of the pipe in order to cut a tapered thread. Receding dies are usually used to thread larger pipe where there is considerable surface area to cut. Hand threaders. The ratchet type of threader is preferred to other hand models because the worker's body weight can be used to turn the full width dies while standing on one side of the pipe. Drop head threaders are quick and easy to use for small jobs or in close quarters. The dies are interchangeable between similar pipe pitches. Exposed ratchet drop head threader. The exposed ratchet drop head threader may be more widely used than the enclosed type. It is designed for pipe sizes ranging from 3 millimeters to 5 centimeters or 8 inch to 2 inches. The die head locks onto the ratchet and handle assembly and is removed by pulling out the reversible ratchet knob. 
Enclosed ratchet drop head threader. With the enclosed ratchet drop head threader, the die head snaps into the ratchet from either side and is easily removed by pushing it out from the body. The ratchet is enclosed within the head of the ratchet handle. The pipe size capacity of this style is from 3mm to 32mm, or 8 inch to inch and a quarter. In both the exposed and enclosed models, the dies can be reversed when threading in tight locations. Drop head threaders can also be used with power vices, machine used for turning pipe. Jam proof ratchet threader. Jam proof ratchet threader uses receding dies and is useful for threading pipes between 2.5 cm to 5 cm, or 1 to 2 inches, in size. It uses one set of dies to thread different pipe sizes, and it is jam proof meaning that it will kick out automatically to prevent damage caused by dies receding past their limit after the thread is completely cut. This hand threader is often used as an attachment on power vices. Geared pipe threader. The geared pipe threader is mainly used with a power vise. It uses one set of high-speed dies for threading several sizes of pipe. A selector plate quickly sets the dies and work holder to the desired pipe size. By making adjustments, the geared threader can, be, can cut straight or tapered threads, as well as oversized or undersized threads. The Model 141 geared threader cuts threads for pipe sizes 6 cm to 10 cm, or 2.5 to 4 inches, and the Model 161 threads 10 to 15 cm, or 4 to 6 inches steel pipe. Geared threaders can be driven by hand with a ratchet handle, not recommended, or by power equipment. A stationary power drive can be equipped with a drive shaft to power the geared threader, and there is also a handheld power attachment available. Thread cutting oil. To produce accurate work and smooth cuts, thread cutting oil or mineral oil is used during a threading operation. The oil covers the pipe and the dies to reduce friction, cool both the chasers and the pipe, and flush away metal chips. Thread cutting oils are either clear or dark and produce the same result when working with either power driven or hand tools. The important ingredients include a fatty oil to provide an even covering film on the workpiece, sulfur to apply a tough chemical film between the cutting edges and the threaded material, an anti foam agent to reduce surface tension and foam buildup, a germicide to lessen the risk of infection should the operator be injured. Thread cutting oils should not be confused with the oils used to maintain the condition of tools. They are not meant to be used as lubricants for moving parts or machinery. The hand-powered oiler provides the flow of oil to the workpiece and chasers during the threading operation. It contains a screen pump to receive oil, chips, and materials, plus a hand-operated pistol-style pump to supply oil as needed. Occasionally, the chip tray needs to be emptied of scrap material and the oil level should be maintained as directed by the manufacturer. Deal with the disposal of chips, metal scraps, and used oil accordingly. Consult your site supervisor for an approved disposal location. Roll Groovers Roll grooving is a piping connection method that continually grows more in popularity. Using pressure on a set of rollers that track the circumference of the pipe Grooves are formed to match strict specifications. Using matching fittings and shoulder-style couplings with a gasket, groove joints can be found in fire sprinkler systems, heating and cooling distribution, and water mains. 
Hand-operated roll groovers are ideal for in-place field applications. Some models require only 89 millimeters or 3.5 inches of clearance to travel around a pipe and a minimum of only about 76 millimeters or 3 inches of exposed pipe for grooving. With the appropriate rule sets, they can form grooves in the walls of many pipe types of metallic pipe up to 30 centimeters or 12 inches in diameter. A must when performing service work, the hand-operated groover is available in several different styles. Most employ the use of a ratchet handle and can be adopted for use on a power vise as well. Electrical testing equipment. A technician is only as accurate as the measurement equipment being used. If the equipment is used incorrectly or is faulty, then the measurements will be inaccurate. If the measurements are inaccurate, then the technician will draw the wrong conclusions. To avoid getting inaccurate readings, you need to handle use and store meters properly. The two major types of meters are digital and analog. Although both meters perform the same functions, they look different. As you can see, the difference is in the display unit. Digital meters are usually simpler to use and are more accurate than analog meters and therefore have become more popular. We will focus on the digital multimeter or DMM as it is the most common type in use. Although analog multimeters may still be preferable in some cases. For example, when monitoring a rapidly varying value. Meter safety precautions. The proper care of test equipment and instruments is of utmost importance, whether they are analog or digital. Length of time an instrument retains its original usefulness and accuracy depends largely on the care it receives in the hands of the user. Precautions in handling and using a meter. These precautions apply equally to digital and analog meters. Do not drop any meter. Do not overload any meter. When in doubt, use a high range that you will know will not be overloaded. You can always switch to a lower range if necessary. Do not tamper with precision instruments. Let a competent instrument repair person service precision instruments. Before you connect a meter to a circuit, ensure that the range switch is set to an appropriate position. Carefully check circuit connections before applying power to meters. Be careful not to touch any other electronic components within the equipment. Be careful not to touch the probe tips to each other while connected to anything else. Digital multimeters. All digital multimeters combine the features of an ammeter, a voltmeter, and an ohmmeter. Figure 166 shows a typical DMM although different models may have a different number of digits in the display unit, and the input-output jacks may be in slightly different places. Since a DMM is an important tool, you will want to learn how to use one correctly. The upper portion of the DMM houses the display unit. The middle portion of the DMM houses the function switch, and the bottom portion contains the jacks for test leads. The function dial normally has positions that will allow a technician to measure AC volts, DC volts, DC amps, and resistance. In addition, some DMMs have function switch positions that will allow a technician to measure AC amps and to test diodes and capacitors. Some DMMs require manual setting of ranges, others have an auto-ranging feature. All DMMs may be used to measure voltage, current, and resistance. More advanced DMMs may measure frequency, relative power differences, 
or other important circuit parameters. Each measurement function has similarities and differences that you need to learn about. Many meters will use symbols on the display, switch, and connections. Figure 167 lists some of the common symbols you may see. Mechanical gauges. Analog gauges. Gauges used for pressure testing may need to be of a type that can be calibrated either by using a gauge tester or by comparison to a master gauge. The gauges are generally of the board and tube type. The size of the dial face may be specified in the contract documents for the job. The accuracy of a manual reading increases with the size of the dial face. The materials from which the gauge is constructed must be compatible with both the test fluid and the surrounding environment. Borden tube gauges. The Borden pressure gauge uses the principle that a flattened tube tends to straighten or regain a more circular form in cross-section when pressurized internally. Although this change in cross-section may be hardly noticeable, the strain of the material of the tube is magnified by forming the tube into a C-shape so that the entire tube tends to straighten out or uncoil as it is pressurized. Eugene Borden patented his gauge in France in 1849, and it is widely adopted because of its superior sensitivity and accuracy. Gauge stems or sockets may be 6 millimeters to 13 millimeters quarter inch or half inch, NPT, depending on the pressure range. Severe vibration or rapid fluctuations in pressure may cause gauges and recorders to give inaccurate readings. Circumstances may require the use of special devices or attachments to protect the gauge. Oil-filled gauges may be used on lines where vibration is not too severe. If pipe vibration is too severe, the gauge may have to be remotely mounted on a board and connected with a tube or hose to the test point. Pulsation dampeners and snubbers in the figure are devices that can be installed immediately upstream of a gauge to prevent damage due to the pressure pulsation or pressure range. Compound gauges. A compound gauge indicates pressures above atmospheric in PSI and vacuum pressures in inches of mercury. Digital gauges. Most digital gauges have precision within plus or minus 0.25% full-scale accuracy and often measure positive, negative, or differential pressures. The digital displays reduce the potential for errors in readings by eliminating errors commonly experienced with the inaccuracy of analog gauges. Most units are powered by 12 to 24 DC and often have recharging capabilities as well. Keypads allow easy access to features, including backlights, peak and valley recordings, auto zero, and instant conversion of pressure units. Memory functions enable storage of multiple readings and often a hold key freezes the current pressure for situations where readings may fluctuate. Manometers. The manometer is a measuring tool used to compare two different pressures most commonly a system pressure and atmospheric pressure. There are two types of manometers, fluid-filled analog and digital. The analog manometer is simple, accurate, and reliable for measuring system fluid pressures. The analog manometer has no moving parts and does not require calibration. However, different fluids used, such as mercury, enable measurements of higher pressures, but frequent further calculations.
Typically, an analog manometer is a U-shaped tube partially filled with liquid such as water or mercury. One end of the tube is open to atmosphere, P2, while the other end of the tube connects to the system in question, P1. When the system pressure acts upon the fluid, this force causes the levels in the manometer to change. As seen in the image below, by measuring the difference in levels, the technician accurately measures the system's gauge pressure. For example, if H was 3 inches in length, system pressure is 3 inches of water column. If the fluid were mercury, with a specific gravity of 13.6, this measurement would read 40.8 inches of water column, or 1.46 PSIG, or 13.6 times the measurement water. The digital manometer has some advantages over the fluid-filled analog manometer. Data storage to record multiple readings, multiple setting for higher pressures, technological compatibility for uploading data. <laughs>